Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. You know, God, God does a lot of lamenting. You know, you feel sorry for God and the prophets, you know. And, and, and he's, you know, he says, my people. Have, you, every time he says, my people, you, you kind of go, oh no, what's he going to say now? Well, in Jeremiah 21, 12, sorry, Jeremiah 2.13, he has one of these, my people, and you go, oh, oi. It says, my people. It's uh, Jeremiah 2.13. says, for my people have committed two evils. He's counting. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, no less, broken cisterns that can hold no water. See, he's lamenting. He's lamenting over what they have. What they, he's lamenting over what they could have had, and, but because of prejudice, and they despised and rejected him, it's a lament. And he says this in Psalm 81, 16, where he says, David says, if they hadn't done that, David goes, he should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat and with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. He wanted to, you know, it shows the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted to feed them with the finest of wheat. Not just common wheat, the finest of wheat, the best wheat. Probably the same wheat they make to use postum. I don't know, but it's very good wheat. And, and he wanted to satisfy them with honey out of the rock. So he wanted to amaze them. He wanted to, to, he wanted to do all this. Work. But, but that was a tragedy. Okay, so let's turn back our focus. To, from Abraham and the giving of the water in Genesis 21. We are there, in case you wondered. And now at the end of the verse, 14, God now shifts our focus back onto Hagar. Hagar's on the stage. And we saw Hagar, we've seen her now, she's in the desert. She has absolutely no idea where to go in the desert. She's like a drunken person. She's staggering in the heat. She's going around in circles. She's going back and forth. She doesn't have a clue from place to place. All she knows is that she's getting cooked by the sun out there. And we saw in verse 14, verse 15, all the water is now used up. And, and she figures that I'm going to die. Ishmael's going to die. So she takes Ishmael and she puts him under one of the shrubs. And we focus in on that scene and the phrase in verse 15, especially, the water in the bottle was spent. It was gone. There's no more water. And we saw how that phrase describes the times in our lives. Think about it. How when in our lives, when we had, we were like Hagar, wandering around in the desert, we had no purpose, no eternal purpose in life, no really meaningful purpose in life. And like Hagar, all we were doing is just spending away the days of our lives, the resources, everything, until finally we reached the point of the water in the bottle was spent. It's sad. It's sad. And in verse 15 and 16, now God now focuses on this sad state of Hagar's troubled soul. And so we read verse 15. The water was spent in the bottle. 
she cast the child under one of the shrubs, and she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were, a bow shot, for she said, let me not see the death of the child. She said, that's too much. I can't see the death of the child. And she sat over against him, and she lifted up her voice and wept, it says. Now notice how what we read in verses 14 through 15 is a description of a sequence of events that you could call the sequence to despair. Because she's really, this is it. And her only hope for survival was in that bottle. And then we read, you know, we, can, we could feel it, you know, shaking. The, the, there's nothing, the bottle is the water is spent in the bottle. So with all hope lost now, Hagar realizes that she's going to watch the inevitable death of Ishmael. And then that's, it's not only her son she's going to watch die, it's, it's a mirror. She's going to die, too. She doesn't want to watch that. And so she puts Ishmael away who's, uh, under this shrub. He's now too weak to go on. She puts him under a shrub, and she waits for death. And, and she goes away off. She sits down, and she says to herself, I can't stand to see the death of my son. And then we read that she, that she does the, the, the only thing that she can do at this point, which is she lifts her voice up to God with her last strength, and she's pouring her heart out to God. Now, look at the words very carefully. Voice. Look at the word voice. Look at the word voice in verse 16 and verse 17. Now, what do you see strange about the word voice in verse 16 and 17? What? Okay. All right, do you get that? See, in verse 16... It says, and she sat over against him and lift up her voice. Whose voice? Hagar's voice. And, and then in verse 17, what it says, and God heard the voice of the lad. And, God, and then he said again, God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Now, wait a minute. We only read about one voice in verse 16. It's the voice of Hagar. We don't read about any voice of the lad. And so, so that should be the voice that God hears. God should be hearing the voice of Hagar. Hagar's lifting up her voice. But it specifically says twice, so we don't miss it, in verse 17, that God heard the voice of Ishmael. But the only voice we heard about being lifted up was verse 16, was the voice of Hagar. So what's going on? So when God responds to Hagar, he says, he doesn't say, I heard your voice. She's the one yelling. I didn't hear your voice. She just says, he says, I heard the voice of the lad, where he is. And so Hagar could say, what do you mean? You, 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 you heard the voice of the lad where he is, you know, what am I, chop liver? You know, she could have said that, but she didn't. But anyway, she, she's the only one lifting up her voice. And we don't read that Ishmael was lifting up his voice. So God says he hears the voice of Ishmael. Why? Because God has ordained, when he named Ishmael, that was the naming of God. God named him Ishmael. That means God will hear. And so he has said, my ears are going to be open to him. His name is Ishmael. His name means God will hear. And, in this, and, and this is a picture for us. This is a very important picture because in the same way that God had ordained to hear the voice of Ishmael, and he did, in the same way he's ordained, God has ordained to hear one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. As it says in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 2.5, it says, for there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. In Isaiah 53, 12, it says he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bare the sin of many, and he made intercession. He prayed for the intercessors. Wherefore, in Hebrews 7, 24, 25, Hebrews 7, 25, wherefore he is able 
also to save them to the uttermost, the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession. Same word as in Isaiah 53, 12. Make intercession, pray for them. John 14, 6, he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, I am it, it is me. No man comes to the Father but by me. One word that Paul uses in Romans and Ephesians that emphasizes that we are heard because of his prayers for us, and we find it in Romans 5, 2. By whom also we have access by faith unto this, into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In Ephesians 2.18, for through him, so by him, for through him we have both access by one spirit unto the Father. Ephesians 3.12, in whom, see, by him, through him, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. So when it says in verses 16 and 17 that Hagar lifted up her voice and God heard the voice of Ishmael, it shows us that Hagar had access to God because of Ishmael. And it teaches us in a picture, we have access to God because of the Lord Jesus Christ. So just as when Hagar's prayer was answered because God heard the voice of Ishmael, so our prayers are answered because God hears the prayers of the Lord Jesus Christ for us. And it's another way that we are complete in him. As it says in Colossians 2.10, very important verse, you are complete, you are complete in him. Complete in him, you have everything. You're complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So God does not look at our lives and say, oh, that, I'm oppressed, I'll forgive him. He looks at the life and the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then he looks at that and then he, he forgives our sins. And this scene here of God hearing the words of Ishmael and answering the cries of Hagar is a picture of us, of God the Father hearing the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father gazing on his son, whom he's well pleased, likes to look at him, gazing upon the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. God sees, as we've just come away from Good Friday last Friday, God sees the cross he sees that cross, and when he sees that cross, he sees, I see a sacrifice. That's what God sees in the cross. He forgives us, and then what happens to us? We get peace. By his stripes, you are healed. We get peace. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. We get peace with God. And that's what it means to be saved and to have peace with God. When a person does exactly the same thing that God the Father does, he personalizes it for himself, the person is saved. And there's no better words than the words of Robert Murray McShane's hymn when he put it this way. He said, I hear the words of love. I gaze upon the blood. I see the mighty sacrifice, and I have peace with God. See, to personalize that, you would put it this way. I hear the words of love to me. I gaze upon the blood shed for me. I see the mighty sacrifice made for me, and I have peace with God. That's what it means to be saved. So you get the full impact of what his words are in this, in this hymn that he wrote, and you think, you, you gotta remember the, the, the four verbs. The verb, I hear, I gaze, I see, I have. You got it? All right, listen carefully. He says, I hear the words of love. I gaze upon the blood. I see the mighty sacrifice and I have peace with God. First verb, I hear. What did he hear? The words of what? 
Okay, very good. <laughs> okay, very good. All right, so you don't make me feel bad. Okay, <laughs> here are the words of love. From where are the words of love? That's the word of God, right? And he gazes upon what? The blood, okay. The blood of the Lord Jesus, that's right. The blood, where was the blood shed? On the cross, very good, okay. All right, I, I'm, I, I'm just seeing if you're following me. <laughs> and he says, and I see, what did he see? The mighty sacrifice. And where did he see that? The, the, what was he there? Who was the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross? Was he an unfortunate person at the wrong place at the wrong time? Was he a martyr? No, he was a mighty sacrifice. That's what happened there at the cross, a mighty sacrifice. It's all a mighty sacrifice, the same mighty sacrifice that was spoken about Isaiah 53, 6, where it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all, the mighty sacrifice. Isaiah 53, 8, for the transgression of my people was he stricken, the mighty sacrifice. Isaiah 53, 10, it pleased the Lord to bruise, bruise him. He's put him to grief. Well, thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, the mighty sacrifice. I hear the words of love. I gaze upon the blood. I see the mighty sacrifice, and I have what? Peace with God. I have peace with God. Isaiah 53, 5, as we said. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our what? Peace was upon him. Hear the words of love, I gaze upon the blood, I see the mighty sacrifice, and I have peace with God. Is there no peace with God? It's time to hear the words of love. It's time to gaze upon the blood. It's time to see the mighty sacrifice. Then comes the peace of God. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see? There's light for a look at the Savior, and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Now, notice what happens next as we heard Ishmael, and as God heard Ishmael. We can't hear Ishmael. All we hear is Hagar, but God hears Ishmael. And, and he answers Hagar, and it's seen in verse 17. God heard the voice of the lad. The angel, call, the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. So if we've, as we've seen, we notice again how dramatic this is, that, that in verse 17, Hagar's crying her heart out, we don't know anything about Ishmael, and God hears Ishmael answers Hagar. Okay, we see that. Now, then he says to Hagar, as he's answering her, he says to her, he says to her, what aileth thee, Hagar? Now, when we put, <laughs> put ourselves in Hagar's shoes, <laughs> we could say, what aileth me? <laughs> with my owner, Sarah, and with no mercy, wanting to kill me, and putting me out, and my son murder me out in this desert. My last hope of help was Abraham, and, and he yields to Sarah, and, and Sarah's demands. I've been cast out of a place of security into a desert of death. I have no idea where to go in this desert. I'm being cooked out here, wandering around like a drunk. All my water is gone. My son and I are on the brink of death. I've, my son's too weak to go on. I've put my son under a bush. I'm crying my heart out with grief. Impending death is right in front of me. You ask me what ails me? <laughs> he says, you know, apart from that, everything's fine. <laughs> but what ails me? <laughs> so how, you should say, how can you ask me what ails me? How, how can you do that? But, but that was God's words. That was God's question to, to Hagar. What aileth thee, Hagar? And so the question is, what in the world did God mean? 
by asking, what ails thee? Clearly, God, God was not sleeping on the job, and he didn't need Hagar to say, okay, Hagar, I'm sorry, I had a little nap here, so can you please fill me in on what's happened? I really don't know what's going on. <laughs> he, that wasn't the situation. He was not ignorant of what Hagar was going through. God didn't need Hagar to explain it all to him and to read him all the details. All the details, he didn't need, he didn't need all that. And how the water was spent and what happened with Sarah and when Ishmael, the bush, he didn't need to hear all that. So if God didn't need for Hagar to explain all those things to him, why in the world would he say, what's troubling you? What's ailing you? What's with you, Hagar? God was well aware of all the circumstances. It's very important to see carefully God's question to Hagar. When God said to Hagar, what aileth thee, in verse 17, he wasn't asking what happened. He didn't say what happened. He wasn't asking to give him a history. He didn't ask what happened. He knew what happened. He knew the history. So when God was saying to Hagar, what aileth thee, in verse 17, he's asking Hagar to tell him what was troubling her. Not what had happened, but what was troubling her. He was, he was saying to her, Hagar, what has taken your peace away? You know, God could come many times with this question. He could come to Abraham, you know, what ails you? And he's, God is directing Hagar to look objectively of, what, of what, what, what was happened and ask herself the question, is it right for me to be troubled over this? And when God asks Hagar, what ails thee? He's asking her, what's the worst that can happen to you, Hagar? You know what, you could die in the desert and then you go to be with me in heaven. Is that so bad? Is, there some, is that something that your soul is troubled over, Hagar? What is it? And when God asked Hagar in verse 17, what ailed thee, God's asking Hagar, Hagar, is it well with your soul or is it woe with your soul? You know, it's your song. It is well, it is well with my soul. Or is it, it is woe, it is woe with my soul. And that's not the first time Hagar has found herself cast out into the, out of Abraham's house in the desert. That's why we saw that back in Genesis 46, Genesis 16, where she fled from her face, verse 16, verse 6, Genesis 16, she fled from Sarah's face. Verse 16, 7, verse 7, the angel of the Lord found her. And verse 8, he said to Hagar, Whence comest thou? Where are you going? Where will thou go? And then, very important, in Genesis 16, 10, in her history, he said, The angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And then she says, Oh, boy, I got a new name for God. You remember? I got a new name for God. I'm going to call God, Thou God seest me. And then I got a new question for myself. Have I looked after him that seest me? All right. Now, so Hagar's been here before. This isn't the first time for her. She's been here before. And Abraham didn't come to bat for her. She's already been there. And so, et cetera. All right. Now, Hagar needed to remember the promise that God made to her in Genesis 16 that he was going to multiply her seed exceedingly. That's what he said. That was the pro- same promise he gave to Abraham about don't be worried about Ishmael. I'm going to make, in verse 13, it said, I'll make him a, a nation because he's thy seed. See, that promise gave Abraham peace to send her out with the bottle of water into the desert. And Hagar needed to remember the same promise that was given to her back in Genesis 16, 10, when she, last, when she was last cast out in the desert. And God, in essence, is saying to Hagar, Hagar, look at Ishmael under that bush and say to yourself, I have a promise from God that my seed, which is Ishmael, is going to become a great multitude. 
On one hand, I see Ishmael under the bush ready to die. On the other hand, I hear God's promise that Ishmael's gonna become a great multitude. And I'm thinking, because I'm so intelligent, dead, dried up bodies under a bush do not multiply to become a great nation. Great, great thinker that she was. So either I will believe God and know that Ishmael's not gonna die, and I'll sing, it's well, it's well with my soul, or I won't believe God, and I'll say he's gonna die, and I'll sing, it's well, it's well with my soul. Okay, you got a choice. And that's why, and that's why God asked Hagar the question, what aileth thee? What is it, Hagar? Is it well with your soul with my promise? Or is it unbelief and it's well with your soul? And so she's in the same dilemma. So, and she'd already said, I already named you. Thou God seest me. Don't you believe that I see me? I'm, I'm, you, you told me. And you know you've got a problem with not looking after him that sees you, Hagar. So let's get with the program. So in that question, Hagar was saying, I'm in trouble, when she said, thou God sees me. I'm in trouble, God sees me, but do I look to God? I'm in trouble, God sees me. The question is, do I look to God? That's the question for us. When we're in trouble, it's Hagar's question. I'm in trouble, God sees me, do I look to God? That's the question. Now, verse 17, we see that God told Hagar, don't be afraid. You heard the voice of the lad, don't be afraid. You heard the voice of the lad. He already told you that his name was Ishmael. And then he, see, God says to Hagar, he says to Hagar, do something very strange with Ishmael. He said, Hagar, verse 18, arise up, lift up the lad, hold him in thy hand. Hold him in your arms. Hold him close to you, Hagar. Hold Ishmael close to you. Why? Because that would be in line with God. See, God had drawn a line in the sand there, so to speak. And he said, look, is it going to be well with your soul? You're going to believe God? Is it going to be well with your soul? You're not going to believe God? If you're going to believe God, don't put him away from you because you don't want to see the death of the child. Hold that boy. Hold him tight. It's a change, and there's nothing written, but we believe she did, and therefore, and that was repentance, and therefore, God opens her eyes and says, well, here you go. Here, here's the well of water, and, 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 see? All from holding tight. He opened her eyes, and she saw the well of water. And what did she see? Well, you know, the shepherds at that time, they, they had this, they, they go dig wells, hidden wells, because they come with their flocks, and then the water runs into it, it's all hidden, and then they discover, she found one of those wells. She found one of the wells. She didn't know it was there. God knew it was there. And so she found the well. And so what happened from all of this? She learned, Hagar learned a very important lesson. She said, you know, before this desert experience, I thought that all I needed was God and the security of Abraham's house. And I found out from this desert experience, all I need is God. I thought before this that all I needed was God and a whole lot of things. But I found out here from the desert, all I need is God. I learned that. If I have God, then I have everything. Like to you today, all I need is God and my family. All I need is God and my church. All I need is God and my wife. All I need is God is my husband. All I need is God and my career, my reputation, my wealth, my health, my mind. That's all I need is God plus. And God says, okay, then we have to take you through the Hagar Desert Experience so that you'll learn all you need is God. You know, there was a very, very wealthy Roman man, very wealthy man. He owned a lot of things, and he had a faithful servant named Marcellus, and he had a rebellious son. And he was getting old, going to die, and he's writing his will. And he says to his son, you've been so rebellious. He said, I'm not leaving you anything. I'm giving all to, everything to Marcellus. 
He says, but you know, I feel bad because you're my son. And so uh, I'll give you one wish. Just tell me one, one wish. What is it? And so the son looks and he thinks and he says, I'll take Marcellus. <laughs> and then he had everything. And we are complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have him. We have everything. Hagar had the Lord. She had everything. She had everything. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Make it alive to us, Lord. Make it alive like the living waters that you spoke of, the words that you speak to us, their spirit and their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051.